Welcome to the weekly podcast of Valley Church. I pray that this message will fill you with the hope of the gospel and will help you follow Jesus today. If you would like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, visit valleychurchwv.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. You know, as I start out, I want to start out in one place, and that is this. If you're on the front end of life and you're thinking about, hey, one day I want to be married, let me go to you first, because I think that's probably the greenest grass in the room. You, you understand that? Here's what I would say. I would say, don't look for someone, don't look for someone who says they're a Christian. Don't do that. Look for the one who lives the Christian life you desire. There's a big difference. And it's okay. It's, I love response, so we're going to be jumping before we're over with, okay? <laughs> but here, here it is. Look for the one who lives the Christian life you desire. So here, how do you do that? How do you do that? Number one, one that prays like you do. One that studies the Word of God like you do. One that serves God like you do. One that gives like you do. One who loves Jesus like you do. When I met my wife, I'll just say it, 30, almost 39 years ago, we decided to make this thing forever. And I said to her, I said, what are you doing for the next 40 or 50 years? So she's got an out here in another year. <laughs> right? But what was the basis of that moment? I just described it for you. I looked in her, I saw in her the very things that were inside of me. And they're about walking with the Lord. Listen, you need a strong relationship to Jesus before you ever try to find somebody to be married to. Amen. So you got to do that work first. When you do that work, then you know what to look for. Before you ever meet Mr. Wright, you better have that down. Are you with me? If you will put your faith values first, it'll weed out the unwanted. <clears throat> so I'll just say it this way. My advice to you is get marriage counseling before you ever meet him. Get marriage counseling before you ever meet her. So if, you're, if you've been married in this room more than 30 years, raise your hand. All right. Do you know what you're... Let's keep them up. Do you know what your all's job is? Your job is to mentor the ones who are coming before you. You've made it farther than most. And you have value right now in this generation. Don't let that be stolen. All right? So if you've been more than 20, raise your hand. Guess what? You're in it too. If you've been married more than 10, guess what? You're in it too. If you're married, what... You're in it, right? The reason is, the Scripture uses the word one another 58 times in the New Testament. Do you know why? Because God is about relationship. And the relationships that we need are the ones that can be modeled for us. The problem is, we're not got very good models. We didn't have good models. I didn't have good model. I didn't know how to be a husband. I didn't know how to be a father. I didn't know how. Because it didn't happen in my life. But I had enough smarts because somebody said to me, you learn about it, find some people to speak into your life so that you'll know what to look for. 
Don't miss that. I had a friend, I have a friend, actually it's ongoing right now. Here's what he said about marriage. He said, marriage is a place where you work on all the problems you didn't have before you got married. It, it'll come to you. Now, those are words from a guy who's right in the middle of a broken up marriage. And that's where his heart is right now. But you know what God did to him last two Sundays ago? In the service, at our church, God touched him. And he realized, wait a minute, I got my values upside down, I got my eyes up inside out, and God's transforming his heart to where he's open to the idea, maybe we could go one more time. Maybe we could try one more time. I think that's God. That's, I think that's how he works. When he's got a hold of our heart, when we get out of sorts and we get things upside down, he can correct us. He can pull us back in. Do you ever wonder why marriage is so hard? Why is it that marriage is so hard? It's work. And quite frankly, we don't like to work for things. We like things to be given to us, right? Marriage is hard, and it takes a lot of work, and it takes a lot of things. It takes, it takes being able to say, you know what? I'm going to set my needs aside for what your needs are. And man, if we don't get that, we're in deep weeds. You know... <laughs> Who has time to work on their marriage anyway? When I look at our society, everybody is busy. And when I ask people who are struggling with their marriage, how are you spending your days? Well, I'm working all day and I'm, and I'm just tired when I get home. And all I need you to do is to fix her. Or him. I've talked to an awful lot of couples over the years about how to get out of that place. And it's all about our lives are so filled up with so many things. We got kids, and man, you got kids, your life's crazy, right? We all have 168 hours in a week. The problem lies in what we're choosing to build those 168 hours. You see, what we want is we want a secret sauce. Pastor, if you just give me the secret sauce. Or, or, Pastor, just give me the pill that'll fix this thing. I'll take it. Well, let me tell you, it's a road. You've got to walk on it, and you've got to walk before God because He wants to come alongside you and help you. He wants to build into you before you ever get there what you need. But it's based on your relationship with Him. So, you know, it's been a journey to get here. It started 10 weeks ago, and the Lord has filled me up. I have 16 pages. I normally preach from six. We might be here till six tonight, and then we'll just keep going. How's that? <laughs> but I want to say this as I begin. I want to talk about tonight for a second. The couple that we have coming tonight, Corey and Cindy Chambers, are absolutely an amazing story that you need to hear. They both come out of heroin addiction, number one. They both come as a blended family. They got, all the they got all the things going on. But God has touched their marriage and touched their lives in such a way that their story is so powerful that it brings encouragement to anybody that hears it. If you've got a friend who's in active addiction, bring him tonight. 
If you've got a, a family, a couple, that are, are just, just knocked down drag out right now, bring them because they were there. I mean, when you see Cindy, she, she is the most precious looking lady you can see today, but her mugshot when she was in jail in Parkersburg, she had just beat the tar out of somebody when they took that picture. Now, so that's enough advertisement, but I'm just telling you, you do not want to miss their story. And so bring somebody tonight. Fill this place out. All right, back to where the Lord brought me. He gave me three things for us to talk about and see today. The first one is this. We need to understand the battle. Okay? We need to understand the battle that we're in. Now, when I speak to audiences and I pose this next question, half of the audience doesn't even believe what I'm about to ask you is real. But I'm going to say this. Do you believe that Satan is real? You better. Listen to what the Word of God says. Ephesians 6 says this. For a struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Your battle is not with your spouse. If you could catch that, your battle in the fights that you guys have is not with your spouse. Now, you might want to say, well, you don't know what she does or what he does. I don't care what it is. You will be able to tra trace it back to the battle that's formed against your home and against your marriage. 1 Peter 5 says this, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a lion looking for someone to devour. 24-7, he's looking for somebody to devour. That's why, for instance, let me, I'll just say it this way. Let me, <laughs> that's why if you are in a business where you have to go away for a while, you have to go on travel trips, that kind of stuff, you better be setting yourself up for success because you know what? While you're on the road, you're going to meet the temptation. Are you with me? That's the reality of our world. The images are everywhere. The struggle is everywhere. And if you don't insulate your heart and guard your mind in that journey, he's going to try to take you out. He looks for the very place that you're vulnerable. It doesn't matter. Everybody's got a different vulnerability. Third thing, John 10.10. 10, these are the words of our Lord. He said, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. If we could understand that's one, Satan is real. His forces are real on the earth right now. And he has an agenda to take us out. It'll do us good. Because then you get it in the right order. So where did it begin? Well, if you got your Bibles, I want to show you something that's really, really interesting. In Genesis chapter 1, get there. It's the beginning, first book of the Bible. If you got one, if it's on your phone, go ahead. You're not in a social media fast yet. You can use your phone. Genesis chapter 1, here's where it all began. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. What did he create? So we can get this one straight. He created a male and a female. There's an agenda to destroy that, just so we know. And it says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Satan is mad about that. You know why? What was the relationship that the created man and the woman had with God in, that mo in this moment? 
We'll see here in just a second. It was a perfect relationship. They had communion with God. They had worship with God. They had love with God. It was a wonderful experience. What was the one thing that Satan gave up when he fell? He gave up that relationship. He hates that relationship. He's jealous that we can have that. So he wants to do anything that he can do to tear you apart so that you won't have that. He'll try to keep your mind blind so you can't find the grace of God. He'll keep your mind blind that you don't have a sensitivity to him. Right? He doesn't want that relationship. So he's going to attack it any way that he can. What was Satan's role, by the way, in heaven? Anybody know? What he, who was he? He was the most beautiful angel. He was the worship leader of all worship leaders that got inside of him that he was somebody bigger than God and, re and, and rebelled against God and God threw him out. So he's mad, right? He has an agenda against you and me. He doesn't want you to have children, by the way. He, don't want, he doesn't want you to come together and, and fill the earth because you know what that does? It fills the earth with people who have the potential to become fellow worshipers. What's happening when we are born into our mother's womb, we're created to one day be in the presence of God Almighty with all those who follow Jesus. And in that host of people, there'll be angels and there'll be you and me. But there won't be Satan. You understand that? You see why he is so intense against the family and against marriage and against relationship? So we'll move on to further details. Go to Genesis 2 and verse 18. <clears throat> it says, The Lord God said, It's not good for man to be alone. I'll make him a helper, helper suitable for him. This is, in the first part, it says what God did. This is how he did it. He created a woman. In verse 21, so the Lord, <clears throat> Lord God caused man to fall asleep in a dark sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. I just love that. Don't miss this for a moment. When God brings you your spouse, it's an incredible gift. You know what the world does? It tries to tear that apart. Part of the reason we get in trouble is we forget to cherish them. Are you with me? So don't miss that. You know what I love about the Word of God? <laughs> It'll touch just the be most beautiful places, and right there's one of them. One of the things maybe you need to do is to Wait a minute, how can I cherish him? How can I cherish her? How can I treat them like they are the gift that God gave me? Got it? Then the Lord made woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woe man. Most of us, she's going to be, it's a part of me. Don't miss that. Because in just a second, he's going to talk about it's the reason why they come together and become one flesh, right? And so in verse 24, it says, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. Verse 25. The man and his wife were both naked. Don't miss this. They were naked 
and not ashamed. Satan had not perverted humanity yet. In that moment, that describes the perfect relationship they had with God. And that made Satan mad. So here's the point that he gave me to show you. In, verse, in chapter 3, verse 1, listen to the first just few words of what verse, chapter 3, verse 1 says. Now the certain, the, now Satan, shoot. Now the serpent was more crafty. Don't miss this. At the very moment of creation of marriage and family and home, Satan took off on his battle. Because the very next verse that we read, chapter 3, verse 1, is, and now the serpent was more crafty. And then it goes on to describe what he did. Right? When God creates, Satan attacks. Are you with me? When God creates, Satan attacks. But then here's the rest of the story. The good news of the gospel is whatever Satan attacks, Jesus can restore. If he breaks it, if it gets broken, Jesus can restore. Now, Pastor Jonathan talked about it, and this is something I want you to know, is the value of your church right now. The value of your church right now is if a divorced person can walk in this door and not feel judged. The value of your church right now, a divorced person come in and know they can be forgiven for what they did. They better get that from Valley Church. They're not going to get it anyplace else. And if they don't get it here, shut the door. The reason is we only have the opportunity to give what Jesus gave us. And what did he give you? We were all sinners for all have fallen short of the glory of God. We were all sinners, but Jesus forgave us. He covered our sin. Did he cover all sins but divorce? Did he cover all sins but whatever other sin you can think of? No, he covered them all. And as a body, we need to have the, the proper perspective. Without Jesus, we're all in deep weeds. Without the, the forgiveness of Jesus, we better be able to give it to somebody else. And I'm, I'm just... If you've got the religious spirit that says... I don't want any of them divorce people around here. Maybe you better find another place to worship. Because the opportunity is wide open right now for the gospel to transform lives. That's why in this, and, and Jonathan said it, in this church, if you're broken, it's okay. We're going to help you to get healing. And once you're restored, we're going to help you to walk and live and thrive. So, God created the perfect moment with marriage in this text that I just read to you. But you know what? Satan has been attacking it ever since. He attacks the one thing that he doesn't have any longer, and that's unity. Right? The power of the unity in the marriage relationship, the family relationship, is so powerful that all he knows to do is try to destroy it. So his only, his only way of doing it is to divide and conquer. Do you know why you get mad at your spouse? Yeah, they do stupid stuff. But you know why you get mad at them? Because you're out of control. It's not what they did. It's because you're out of control about what they did. You know why you're out of control? Because Satan has tempted you to be, take the higher horse. Right? Say, you're right. 
I don't care what you do. I don't, I'm right. Wait a minute. That's upside down. You might be right. But in your rightness, you can be destroying your relationship. Unity is what God created. Satan attacks unity. You know, I, I read this and I just brought it with me. When you have horses that, are, that pull big loads, you might have heard this illustration before. If you have one draft horse, a draft horse can pull about 8,000 pounds. Do you, you know that? Maybe you didn't know that. They do. Now you put a second one with that, you'd think that those two could pull 16,000 pounds together, right? Because they're together, right? Got twice the horse, twice the product. That's not how it works. Because they walk in tandem together, those two draft horses can pull 24,000 pounds. What's that got to do with marriage? He's your draft horse. You're his draft horse. What God has positioned you to do to function in the kingdom of God is powerful. It has, it has impact. Satan doesn't like the, how dangerous you are as a successful married couple. He doesn't like how dangerous you are as, as a successful family because of what the potential is in you. So he's only got one thing that he wants to do. He wants to tear that down. Well, I got a second thing I want to talk with you about today that God gave me, and this is for everybody. It sounds like it's only for one group of people, but it's for everybody. If you will, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. I want you to read this for yourself on your phone or on the screen. I want you to read what it says. This is both a promise and and, and uh, well, it's just plain truth. Hebrews, 4, Hebrews 13 verse 4 says this. Marriage should be honored by all. Well, that's a good one. I like that. We ought to honor marriage. Right? Comma. And the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. This is a very, very direct text. It hits about everybody on the planet. Because basically what it says is, we need to guard the marriage bed. That's why I said it's only, it sounds like it's only for a part of us. Who's supposed to guard the marriage bed? You're married people? Let me unpack it for you. Just for a little bit. Satan tells a twisted lie today. This is how our culture, this is how far our culture has gone. And this is the message that we're speaking to each other. You need to sleep around to find that perfect person. After all, it's not like you're married. That's how far the lie has gotten. We need to sleep around a bunch because we want to find just the right person. The problem with that is what all comes with that life. And what comes with that life is a whole lot of brokenness with a payoff that's not true. The Bible says that God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. We don't want to hear that today. Our social media says anything goes. Believe me, anything goes. And you know who's 
at who's in the crosshairs? The kids. Let me give you a fair warning. If you're not monitoring what your kids, if you're just handing them the phone and you're not monitoring where they're going, you just fed your kids to the devil. I can't say it any plainer. Because what they're hearing and seeing on that is sleep around as much as you want because it doesn't matter. Don't even get married because that's a silly thing. That's only where all the fighting comes from. So don't even do that. That's the message. Keeping the marriage bed pure is for those that are in this room who are looking towards marriage for you to hear God say he's honored for you to keep yourself for that day. Sex outside of marriage, out of the confines of the marriage relationship, is still sin. It's still sin. It always has been, and it always will be, regardless of what man's opinion is. You see, keeping the marriage bed pure before marriage is not old-fashioned. It's God-fashioned. And he did it for a reason. Because in that moment, when you two come together, if you've never been with anybody else, it's incredibly powerful and incredibly beautiful. All right, Pastor, now what are you going to do? I didn't do that. Well, what did Jesus say to the lady who had been sleeping around? What did he say to the lady that was caught in adultery that all those religious people brought before him trying to trick him and they laid her down before him. She's battered and bruised and broken and they want to know what Jesus says to do with her. And the first thing he said to them was, you who are without sin cast the first stone. The second thing we read in there, he tells her, I forgive your sin. Go and sin no more. He cleansed her in that moment. He can cleanse you. If you're on the front end of this thing, He can cleanse you. All you have to do is say, Lord, forgive me and turn from it. That's part of His message today is you can keep the marriage bed pure if you're not married yet. Either direction, even if you've already, it's been, you've already had sex before. God forgives. He covers that and gets you ready and gets you healed. Let's talk about the other side of it, though, because that's what's more important. The marriage bed is the ultimate place, and this is going to sound really strange, so just walk with me a little bit, okay? The marriage bed is the ultimate place to offer our bodies in living sacrifice to a holy that is holy and pleasing to God. It's our spiritual act of worship. If we guard our bodies, and sex is a part of that journey, if we are guarding that, you are worshiping the Lord. I didn't get, I only got one over here. I got one right here. It's going, mm -hmm. are you all with me? Because it is. God's in the bedroom. You might think you're in there alone. He's in there with you. He's watching everything that's going on, married or not. Keep the marriage bed pure. A number of things are a part of that. Let me, I got so much I got to give you, and I'm almost out of time. But let's talk for a second. You're married, and God says, keep your marriage bed pure and you're saying to me well I ain't got anybody in my bed except my wife there ain't nobody sleeping with me except my husband 
Let me do a little experiment. Honey, we hand me my phone. Got a cell phone? Anybody got cell phones? Get them out. Now I want everybody, get them all out. I want to see them all. If you got one, get it out. I did this experiment in my church, and I had about the same reaction. When I started saying, get that phone out and hold it up in the air, I had someone going, I ain't going to get that out of my pocket. Let me tell you why. Take it out. Open it up. You ready? Go to the pictures. Are you with me? This is where the rubber meets the road. I don't know where my pictures are. <laughs> They're in here somewhere. Anyway, I'm going to act like I found my pictures. Now, hold it up. Right, your phone's open, right? Hand your phone to your neighbor. This is where it gets interesting. Are you with, you with me? This is where it gets interesting. Now, neighbor, you, I don't want you to do this because this might feel like a violation. But let me tell you something. This is one of the greatest tools on the planet if it's used right. right. But on this tool right here, there are searches in your history where Satan's trying to take you out. There are pictures on here that shouldn't be there. Right? Not on his. Okay, good. Okay. If you don't have any of that, that's fine. But here's, what I'm, here's my point. Satan is after the marriage bed, and it's not to put somebody in there. Somebody's already there. Do you know who it is? And I'm just going to speak really frank to you. The person that's in, in that bed with you, besides your spouse, is the one you looked at on this phone, or you looked at on your computer. That's why the Bible says to keep your mind pure and your heart pure. Because the images that are out there are everywhere. And that's violating the marriage bed. It's violating it. It's not keeping it pure. And what the Lord sent me to say to you today is, is that a part of your life? Is, let me just put it bluntly. If you're viewing pornography, if, you, if, you're, if that's a part of your world, and nobody wants to admit to it, I can just tell you that. Nobody wants to admit to it, but it is stealing your relationship with your spouse. It is stealing your future relationship with the spouse that you will one day meet. It's after your mind to so screw it up so that you can't find the greatest relationship on the planet called marriage and everything that God intended it to be. Now, there are people in this room, and I'm not going to make you squirm. There are people in this room that pornography is, is, is wrecking your marriage. You come back tonight because I want you to hear more truth than what I just said, because that's a part of what tonight is. How do we keep the marriage bed clean and pure the way God intended it? Number one, you kick the devil out of it. Are you with me? The, 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 what you and I have is the authority in Christ that when temptation comes, because that's, that's the way he divides and conquer, conquers. He puts temptation in. And he puts it in just the place where it just takes a little bit of root and man, it screws up a lot of stuff. That's what he's after. The marriage bed starts in your mind. It starts in, your, in, in, your, in what you see in your brain. It starts in your body, 
where you put it and where you don't. It starts in your emotions, where you guard the connections that happen with other people. So the Lord gave me that to give to you today because, number one, He wants the marriage bed pure, but He wants His children to experience the greatest joys that are possible. And marriage, believe it or not, is that. And if it's not for you right now, you got some work to do. That's all. you got some honesty and some transparency to get about how it really is. But you know what? What's on the other side of that? Restoration and victory. And that's exciting. And in my years of ministry and counseling couples and all of that, I have seen the very worst of the worst find restoration. Because it's what our Lord Jesus does. Well, that's number two of three points I need to give you. And I don't even know what time it is. It's 11.15. How much longer we go? We're good? Y'all good? You know, what the, you know what they say? The mind can only absorb what the butt can endure. So, so for, for 15 seconds, I want you to stand up and just give your butt a wiggle. Get it loosened up. Because the, the next part of what I want to tell you about... I need your full attention. <clears throat> Y'all doing all right? Some of you need to stand a little longer. That's okay. All right, let me give you number three of what God gave me to give you today. Let me talk about marriage and the covenant relationship that God intended it to be. And you're going to need to take a lot of notes. So if you've got a place to take notes, put it on your phone, whatever you've got to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take us to a scripture that um, when I do marriage counseling, <clears throat> I take couples to this, and here's how it goes. When I tell them where we're going to go, she says, not for the life of me will I allow you to talk to me about that. And he says, man, let's go there. I love that part. Until we get started. Then all of a sudden, she says, Man, I love this part. And he says, don't you dare talk to me about that because of what it says. So if you will, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, beginning at verse 21. Ephesians 5, verse 21. It's a submission passage. This is the submission chapter. Y'all already, I mean, y'all know what I'm talking about. Do you know why she didn't like it first? Are you, are you with me? Because when guys hear it, they skip verse 21 and go to verse 22. Because 22 says, wives, submit to him in everything. And that rises up a spirit inside and says, I will not do that. It's because we we we're not listening to what it says. Because the most powerful verse I can give you today that will heal your marriage, will heal every problem your marriage is encountering, every struggle that you go through as a couple, it's found in verse 1. Verse 21 means, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another 
out of reverence for Christ. Are you all there? A little bit ago, I talked to the, the folks that are on the front end of looking what you need to look for. That's what you need to look for. Somebody who is submitted to Christ that you can submit to them because you can trust what Christ is doing in them. Do you see it? So let me draw it for you. This verse draws a triangle. If you don't get anything else out of today, listen to me right now. It draws a triangle. The submission to one another is here as unto Christ who's here. It forms a triangle. So let me show you something magic. It's not magic. I hate to use that word in church. Something marvelous. What happens the closer you grow to Him? You see it? What's happening? Hmm? It's forming, but what's it forming? What's happening? The closer you two grow to Him, the closer you grow to each other. The closer you commit and surrender your relationship to one another in Ephesians 5.21 style, the closer your submission to each other, what happens? The same thing's happening the closer you're getting to the Lord. That's worth the price of admission today. Because that's what the covenant relationship is. The covenant relationship is a covenant with God and with each other. Most marriages today are contracts. Here's how you know you have a contract versus a covenant. I'm in it as long as I get what I want. As long as what we agreed to happens, I'll stick around. But the minute it's not happening, I'm out of here. That's a contract. If you don't live up to what I think you ought to live up to, I'm going to get rid of you. That's a contract. A covenant says, I don't care how ugly you get. I don't care. I'm still going to love you. Because I love Jesus. I can't teach it any cleaner than that. Because that's the picture. That's the, covenant of, that's the picture of a covenant relationship. The lordship of Jesus in the wife and the lordship of Jesus in the husband makes that marvelous relationship possible. If you want to know what gave us 39 years together, despite all the things that we went through in those 39 years, that's the glue. And it's found in Ephesians 5, 21. So let's go just a little bit further. Everything about your marriage is directly connected to the depth of your reverence you have for Jesus. Because that's what that verse says. Submit to one another out of reverence for Jesus. Let me explain what that means. That means when you two are just knocked down, dragging out, you're forgetting that Jesus is in the room. And it's about who's going to win versus who's going to submit. 
Because you know what heals our moments of, of struggle? It's my relationship to Jesus keeps me in check. Because I can be stupid. Right? Now my wife, she's not very stupid. <laughs> but what keeps her in check is her relationship with Jesus. I know that when I'm fully empty, she's fully in. I know when I am being the most hard person to live with, she's still in because she's not going anywhere. And vice versa. If that's not how you describe your marriage, you've got work to do. And I'll tell you, the work sounds hard, but it's really easy. It's based on that surrender to Jesus. Anybody getting this? I, I really hope, I hope it's speaking to you because the Lord just laid it on top of me that this is where we got to go. We've got to finally get here. So that we understand verse 22, though. I can't not tell you about verse 22. You know, marriage is not a 50-50 agreement. It's a 100-100, right? Because there's going to be times when you ain't got nothing. And it's going to take the other hundred to make it work. In verse 22, it says the very words that I said it did say. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Let me give you a little bit of interpretation of that. I think it's pretty accurate. Wives, follow him as he, as he follows the Lord. As you watch that surrender in him to the Lord, you can trust that that following, that submitting to him means God did something. And this is where the guys get, they, they go, oh, I don't know if I like that or not now. Verse 22 says this. It says, wives, submit yourself to your husbands as to the Lord. Wives, the submission is based on the relationship with Jesus. Yada, yada, yada. Verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is head of the church, his body, for which he is the Savior. That's where it gets sketchy for guys. Because what you need to understand is, husbands, you are, the, you are responsible, declared in the Word of God, for the spiritual health of your home and of your relationship to your wife. That's when the guys say, I don't like that. No, you can not like it all you want, but that's what the Word of God says. It's marriage by the book. And by the book says, and the book says, men, you are charged with the health of the spiritual climate in your home. You are charged with the spiritual health of your wife. Your job is to build her faith up. Do you know what her job is declared in verse 22? To follow you as you do that. Now, I didn't say to follow you regardless of whatever you do or say, did I? It's based on what you walk with the Lord. It, 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 it's a pressure thing. I know that. And I don't feel like I can live up to it most of the time. But I know that he gave me the Holy Spirit to be that nudge and unction inside of me that when I get all screwed up, he speaks to me and I got to go back and repent. I got to go back and say, I'm sorry. Guys, say it with me. I'm sorry. You didn't say it very well. I'm sorry. Let me tell you, one of the sweetest words that you can say to her because you've never said it is, honey, I'm sorry. I love you guys. 
Husbands, carry accountability of spiritual leadership in the home. Let me kind of draw a conclusion for now because I've tried to give you enough foundation so that you're going to want to come back tonight and get the rest of the story like Paul Harvey used to say. You need what's going to happen tonight. I'll just tell you, you need it. Single, married, I don't care who you are, you're going to need what's happening tonight. If we get the Ephesians 5.21 right, we can expect the greatest measure of earthly happiness that you can ever find. Do you want your sex life to be good? Get good there. Yeah, I did say it. I did. You want it to be good? That's a part of that. Some of you are shaking your head and some of you are going, I don't know about that. It is. Okay, great. The reason is, if God made marriage and he put sex in the middle of it, it's a part of the beautiful experience that he wanted for his creation. And listen, if you're having trouble in those areas, we need to talk. Because it's, it, the, the answer is right there. The scripture says, don't deprive each other. Don't deprive, I'm going there. I'm sorry, we got a little more time. Don't deprive each other. But for a little while, it says, just for a short while. Because if you go too long, you throw yourself open to the adversary's attack. Because there's a reason he made that relationship so powerful. It's so that you can be in that place, and I'm, it is, it's a connection, to be in that place that's not about pleasure. It's about the presence of love in your relationship. And there ain't no other place on the planet like it. And I'm not embarrassed to talk about it because I'm 64 years old and we're good. <laughs> we're healthy. I didn't want you to worry about it. But I, the reason we're healthy, and I'm, listen, I can't be this. You might as well kick me down the road. The reason we're healthy, because there's been a lot of attack on that over the years. And I've seen a lot of devastation in a lot of other families I've had to work with. But the reason we're healthy today is because of Ephesians 5.21. You need healing in any place in your marriage. That's the answer. You, you want some study this afternoon? You sit down and read it over about 20 times and just say, Lord, what's this saying to me? And he'll do the work. Are you with me? Coming back tonight? Absolutely. I sure hope you are. I hope, I hope you bring 10 other people. I hope we ain't got no room for everybody that's coming. We've got a song to close us out today, a worship song. It's been a little heavy. Hopefully I've kept it a little bit light for you as well. But we're going to come back tonight for the most powerful time together that we could have. And we're so glad that you're going to be able to be a part of it. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Valley Church. If you were impacted by today's teaching or made a decision to follow Jesus, we would love to hear from you, pray for you, and walk with you. To connect with us, 
visit valleychurchwv.com. There you will find resources on following Jesus and information about how to partner with us here at Valley Church as we seek, serve, and send disciples of Christ.